If you're curious what 22 Spark was in Seoul, then stay tuned as I speculate on the answer. Hi guys, welcome to the Fangirl. I'm McGann, and let's discuss Disney Pixar's most melancholy piece of uncanny valley to date, Soul. Yes, after promising that I wasn't going to watch it because, I don't know, I for one think that children's movies should not make you a depressed ball of mush, I finally saw the thing. It really wasn't as bad as I expected emotionally, but it is pretty dark and absolutely nothing in it was for children. But even though the movie has so many areas that get no closure, I want to focus on what 22's spark was. And since Soul is still pretty new, let me do a lengthy recap for those of you who haven't seen it yet. The movie's about Joe Gardner, a man who looks in his late 40s who is finally getting a gig with an esteemed jazz musician, Dorothea Williams. You see, normally Joey teaches middle school band, and I can tell you as a former parent of a middle school band kid that they sound exactly like this. <laughs> It's kind of like that band in Halloween Town. Every middle school band seems to sound like that. But Joe really loves playing piano. He thinks that's his whole purpose in life. However, Joe is also a careless fool who falls down a pothole and gets dumped onto a conveyor belt to the great beyond. And somehow Joe manages to promptly jump off said conveyor belt and ends up mentoring a soul yet to be born, 22. 22 has spent thousands of years trying to find her spark so that she can get her earth pass and become a human. However, 22 has gone so long without finding anything that sparks her that she's really given up and lost interest in being human. Oh, and two things to note here. One, I am calling 22 a she because the voice actress is Tina Fey, but technically 22 has no gender. And two, the soul universe has extremely flimsy rules and stakes that it's constantly breaking, so the continuity in this film is a mess. But long story short, 22 and Joel's souls end up on Earth by accident, but 22 ends up in Joe's body and Joe ends up in a therapy cat's body. And the poor cat's soul is shown going to the great beyond. And the movie gives absolutely no explanation for how Joe managed to kick the cat's soul out of its body, or how the cat managed to come back to life at the end after its soul went into the big bright light. Like I said, the plot holes in this movie are so big and gaping, you could fall in one and die. Anyways, things happen, Joe and 22 end up back as spirits, and now 22's Earth Pass is activated. But the movie never explains what sparked 22 to want to live after trying to avoid it for thousands of years. So what was it that 22 did or saw that made her finally want to be born? Honestly, it could have been anything, and I think that's the point the movie was trying to make. However, there was one moment in particular that really stood out to me, and it seemed to be reinforced a few times throughout the film. So what I think sparked 22 and made her want to experience life for herself was love. And I mean that as any kind of love, romantic, paternal, human connection, anything. To back up my theory, right before 22 has a meltdown about needing to find her spark, she has a moment where she watches a father with his daughter. And really, it's just a normal moment. There's nothing special about it. But 22 
too seem to almost have a longing for that father walking his daughter. And love, being 22 Spark, does have a certain sense to it. First of all, 22 has had hundreds, if not thousands of mentors over the years, and they were all very accomplished people, but none of them ever inspired her. There was also nothing in the Hall of Everything that struck 22's fancy because, you know, love isn't something tangible that you can touch like a soccer ball. So even if the Hall of Everything had emotions on display, they clearly weren't presented in a way that resonated with 22. I mean, 22 says herself that she's been looking for a spark for thousands of years, and since the only other unborn soul we meet is numbered in the billions, then yeah, 22 seems to be really telling the truth that she's been there forever. Yet it only took 22 a few hours of being on Earth to find her spark. That means her spark had to be something that you experience, not explain. Even while in Joe's body, 22 effortlessly makes one connection after another. First 22 related with Connie and her trombone, then Des the barber by showing an interest in his life. And 22 even made a breakthrough with Joe's mom by being raw and honest with her. 22 was really good at connecting with people because she loves and craves being around them and building relationships. Which again is something that isn't really possible before you're on Earth. And perhaps the biggest piece of supporting evidence, look at what happened to 22 when she became a lost soul. When Joe enters 22's er, disenfranchised cave, what did he see? It was all the voices of 22's past mentors saying mean things about her. So at best, 22's former mentors tolerated her, sort of, but they never really loved her and so she was never really able to love anybody else. And we do see that 22 is old always trying to reach out and understand other people when she's in Joe's body. But it seems like nobody's ever stopped and tried to see things from her perspective before. Just because somebody's difficult to like doesn't mean they don't want to be liked or they're unworthy. But oh so often, people will not stop and put themselves in someone else's shoes to see their side of things. And if you don't do that, you can't understand where somebody is coming from or why. You just can't help someone if you lack that kind of empathy. So even though 22 has had some very famous and wise mentors, every single one of them has left with 22 feeling the hard backhand of their rejection and disapproval. And that's all she's known for her entire existence. All of her mentors explained why life was so great or why they themselves were so great in their self-curated life museums. But no one ever bothered to think about 22 as an individual or what she herself needed, a connection. And that's why experiencing things firsthand and making connections with people is what worked for 22 because what she really needed was love. It might not be reality, but theories are more fun. Hey guys, welcome to uh, a little bit of derpsy time. We're not gonna sing or do anything uh, super silly. I just kind of want to keep talking about soul a tiny bit. And if this kind of discussion isn't your cup of tea, the theory is over. You are more than welcome to go if you don't want to hear me ramble on a bit off script. But I'm kind of curious what all of you thought of soul. If you found it to be a likable movie or a kid-friendly movie or, you know, what, what does this movie feel like to you? Because I feel about soul the same way I felt like spirit 
Chariot Stallion of the, what is it, Cimmerarian? Something like that. Because I remember buying that movie, expecting it to be a children's animated cartoon, and then putting it on and thinking, who who is the target audience for this? Like, who are they trying to market this to? The story was just way too mature. And, you know, when you look at Spirit, the series on Netflix, you understand that this is like a girl's show. Like, this is marketed to younger girls. But yeah, watching the original Spirit movie, which was from, I think, 2002, is just like, who did they make this for? I mean, who did they expect this to appeal to? And that is kind of where I am with Soul. I look at it and go, wait, Disney Pixar make children's animations. You know, they make it for the whole family, but they are geared for children to like so that they'll buy the merchandise and all that stuff. And Soul is a movie where there's, there's no child elements to it. And I do like some of the emotional intelligence thing that the movie brings forward, but I, I also think they almost didn't dumb it down enough for an animation. Soul is very complex and there are so many things going on that maybe, you know, if you haven't been in love, if you haven't felt rejection, if you haven't been super disappointed, you know, if you haven't lost a career or not gotten where you wanted in a career or not done what you wanted with your life, then this movie might be really hard to connect with. And if you look at younger children or, you know, even kids through high school, a lot of them haven't experienced those kind of things to relate with soul. So maybe it is Pixar's first movie that is aimed exclusively at adults, but even from an adult standpoint, I didn't really enjoy it. I thought the characters fell way too much into the uncanny valley. I mean, the characters in their soul forms are super cute. They're super adorable. But then you have these almost realistic but super deformed looking humans. And I don't like the look of it. I mean, they look worse than the people in Ratatouille, which I thought were absolutely vulgar in their design. And I really... I don't know. I could talk about this movie more, but I really don't know if I want to. And it's not even that the movie is too sad for me because, again, I, I think that it's horrendous to try and play on hurting children's emotional states for the sake of getting awards like Emmys. I mean, like Big Hero 6, they killed Baymax and it was a complete cheap shot because they brought him back 10 seconds later. Same thing with Tangled. They killed Flynn Rider just to have him brought back to life seconds later. And when you're marketing something to younger audiences, you shouldn't emotionally torment them just for the sake of, oh, look, now we made you feel something. I don't think that's good for a kid's mental well-being. Even the, uh, what was it? The Wonder Beast, the Tinkerbell, the last Tinkerbell movie. Like, my daughter had all the other ones, then that one came out, and the Wonder Beast doesn't exactly die at the end, but they're never gonna get to see him again, and it was just a really emotionally traumatic experience that did not parallel anything that the other movies were like. So it was almost unfair to consumers who were expecting to buy one thing and then got a very emotionally traumatic movie for their kids by mistake because, you know, when it's new and only on DVD, you don't know any better. Never Beast? Is that what that was called? I can't remember. It's been a while now. But Pixar is especially bad about taking these cheap emotional shots or, you know, oh, this character died. Oh, oh, let's make you cry and feel that pain and sit and soak in it forever. And it's not necessary because I, I mean, the way the character died is so frivolous 
this in the writing. It, it doesn't have to be. It's what they wanted to make it be. Uh, Bing Bong is an example that I use a lot because the whole idea of, well, Riley forgets things and then they dissolve from her memory forever. So let's watch Bing Bong slowly die here. They didn't have to go back and focus on him dissolving away. First of all, they could have just let Joy keep going and she could have, you know, bowed her head for a second or something, but we didn't have to see him die on screen. Second of all, the whole idea of Bing Bong dying is constructed and that's not even how a brain works, okay? And I can prove it because about a week ago, I was laying in bed half awake, you know, not quite ready to start my day. And out of nowhere, a McDonald's commercial came into my head that I had not thought of, seen, heard of, anything. I didn't even know I remembered this until it just randomly popped in my head. And then all of a sudden I'm going, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else would do. I mean, you, you guys remember that? Probably not. You guys are all probably way too young. But we're talking 30 years since McDonald's has used that commercial and it just randomly popped into my head even after I've long since forgotten it. So yeah, to kill off Bing Bong in the way that they did it, it was just to make people soak in an emotional hardship for the sake of people going, wow, that movie was so good, it made me feel so much. And I have the same kind of issue with Coco and there being a second death, a true death after you're dead. It's just so silly and frivolous. And there are times in a movie where death is relevant and it's needed for the story, like in The Lion King, in Up, in Big Hero 6 when Tadashi dies. I mean, those are all things that need to happen to help drive the story forward. But these frivolous, oh, hey, let's introduce somebody just to kill them kind of characters, or let's take a cheap shot and bring them right back to life, it's tired and it's not something that should be constantly exploited to children. And I kind of feel that way about Soul, but it kind of is also in this weird bubble of like, this isn't really a kid's movie anyway, so... I do not know how to feel about it. But again, I am very curious how you guys feel about it. So let me know, leave me a comment. And uh, you know, was it a good movie? Was it a bad movie? Did it make you cry? Was it draining? Did it make you feel good? I don't know, cause I'm still kind of wondering, did Joe keep teaching middle school or did he just totally abandon his students to go play his dream quartet that he also decided he didn't really want after he did it? <sighs> I love Pixar, I do, I love Disney too, but somebody needs to sit them down and have them figure out what their audience is before they start a project. Anyways guys, thanks so much for watching and we will see you next time family members. Bye! She has a moment where she watches a father with her daughter. First it was Connie and her tramp. First 22 related with Connie and her tramp. Then she bonded with debt with... And 22 even made a breakthrough with jo with being around other people and building relationships with them. Fun -na 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 -na. The name sounds familiar, but I don't think she's an actual musician, is she? Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh, yeah.
yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video, we should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See ya next time, family members. Bye.